For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. My Believe in Broncos podcast is presented by my friends at Superbook Sports. And now the world-famous Superbook Sports is coming to the Lodge Casino in Blackhawk. Soon you can get right into the heart of the action. Join them Friday, June 25th for the grand opening of the Superbook at the Lodge Casino. Catch all the games on their state-of-the-art TVs in the comfort of this traditional sportsbook. Superbook Sports is known for better odds, favorable pricing, and an extensive wagering menu focusing on your Colorado teams. Now the Lodge Casino is your first place for fun and for sports. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 for help. Welcome to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. And it's starting to normalize a little bit. It's summer. It's Tuesday. It's not 110 degrees here on the surface of the sun slash northern Colorado. Everything is starting to feel kind of normal again, if you will. Able to go to places that maybe you took for granted a year ago. I know I tried not to. I know as a sports reporter, uh, not not having sports was one of the most difficult stretches in terms of professional life that I've been through. Uh, it's like, what do you cover when there's no games? And we had a chance to do some cool feature stories at Denver 7, but it was uh, obviously a very odd time. And now we can see that, that light at the end of the tunnel is no longer an un- oncoming train. It is actually uh, a bright light, a glow uh, with stadiums open at full capacity, sports starting to rage back in full form. Both I've watched College World Series. I watched Dodgers Padres. Last night, uh, CU Buffs announced full capacity, and the Broncos certainly will have full capacity, and fans will be allowed at training camp, though there will not be autographs in that in-person type interaction you'd like for fans in training camp. It is at least better than the alternative of no training camp and no fans there. So things are moving in the right direction. Are the Broncos going to follow suit? Is this the year they finally end that five-year playoff drought Four consecutive losing seasons. It's been such a jarring plummet to earth uh, from uh, 10,000 feet. A team that was in the hunt for essentially 35 years became an also-ran. They're not even on a Monday Night Football this year. That should tell you the depths of which the Broncos have fallen. But there's reasons for optimism. And it starts with their defense, but it's not going to happen then. They can't be special defensively. You can't have a Lamborghini defensively. If you pull up the hood and you've got a moped motor, you can't turn the key and go click, 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 click. It doesn't work that way. Can these be complimentary pieces? So on today's show, uh, we're going to talk. I'm going to focus more on the offense. Some of the statistics to keep in mind, both for the uh, tight end position and the quarterback position, as it relates to the Broncos finally reaching nine wins. That would be a winning record this year in a 17-game schedule, and putting themselves in a position 
to go to the playoffs. And obviously there'll be much focus on the quarterback situation as to why didn't they draft a quarterback? You know, I, I, I will say I thought it was a mistake because I, I am bullish on Justin Fields. I see him as a Dak Prescott-type quarterback, both with his accuracy and his mobility, and that's why I would have taken him. GM George Payton took a more measured approach in identifying a quarterback. I think he looked at this roster and realized that I can upgrade slightly or at least create competition with Teddy Bridgewater, go with the sure thing of Pat Sertain um, at cornerback, and move from there. Uh, rather than risk too much on a quarterback. And there also seems to be a belief in the NFL now that veteran quarterbacks that were never available are suddenly now potentially available. Whether that would be Aaron Rodgers this offseason in August or September, uh, Deshaun Watson this offseason or next offseason, maybe even a Russell Wilson, maybe a Derek Carr. I mean, there are veteran quarterbacks with uncertainty at least surrounding some some of their situations where it feels like uh, they're no longer going to be fixtures for the remainder of their career with one team. But, you know, for us to understand where the Broncos need to go, I'm going to touch on a couple of topics again. Noah Fant, how does he become a star at his position? What that could mean for the offense. Secondly, and the, the dominant topic of today's pod will be looking at the quarterback numbers between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater and comparing them to the rest of the league so we have a better idea of what exactly kind of significant jump is needed for this Broncos team to reach a winning record and hopefully the playoffs. And and I'll have a final thought before we go to uh, roll to black, as they will, as the credits fall to uh, roll to black, looking at top news stories from the NFL this past week. But... Uh, First, we will jump into the tight end situation of Noah Fan. We've talked about Noah on the podcast, and I texted with Noah today about something I was curious about to see if it was going to come to fruition as it relates to his development this season. We'll talk about that after the break. My show is presented in part by Hoggett Injury Law. With us, it's personal. Speaking of personal, let me tell you about my friend Darby Hoggett. I've known Darby for about a decade, coached his son in travel baseball. We used to hang out at games, talk about sports, especially the Denver Broncos. He's a big fan. We have become good friends. In fact, many of his clients have become his good friends. You don't even have to pay Darby up front. If your case goes as planned, Darby will be the one writing checks to you. If you've been hurt in a car wreck or injured at work, give his team a call at 1-833-HOGGETT. That's one 1- 833 or find out more, visit their website at www.hoggetlaw.com. Welcome back to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. And the topic first is Noah Fant. The development of Noah Fant, can he become a star in his third season with the Broncos? The former first-round choice has certainly flashed that type of potential. And he's showing the potential this offseason to make a significant jump. It's, it's tan, he's tantalizingly close for me to becoming that player where you look up and go, man, what a weapon. How much different is their offense now with his uh, consistent development and his consistency? So on that topic, George Kittle is holding his first tight end U, tight end university, if you will, uh, his first tight end summit 
It mirrors the summit that was originally created by Von Miller. He held his earlier this offseason in Las Vegas, the pass rushing summit, where he bring in players from around the league, uh, veterans, rookies, even some college kids in the past. Uh, DeMarcus Ware was one of the instructors at that. And Von got some heat for that originally. And why are you sharing trade secrets? And, you know, again, if you know Von, he's a giver in terms of that. He, he wants to uh, connect with as many people as possible spread uh, the word of the pass rushing gospel, and he learns from other players. I never see it as an issue. I mean, I get some people, old school, would. Most of these things you can learn, you know, from conversations with guys. So this becomes more of a formal event. Well, George Kittle has decided to follow suit with his first tight end passing summit. So how does that relate to Noah Fant? Noah Fant had said uh, in May that he thought he might be able to attend uh, he had planned to, but wasn't sure. Well, the tight end summit is actually this week in Nashville with George Kittle and crew. George Kittle, as you know, one of the best tight ends in football. Looks like he walked out of a WWE wrestling ring. He's got the, the kind of full hawk, hair flying everywhere. And I happened to see George Kittle have one of the greatest single halves in NFL history against the Broncos in Vance Joseph's last year in 17, where I think he had, he was like 200 and. 19 yards in the first half. He was second most yards ever in a half. I mean, it was one of the most impressive performances ever. And it was absolutely alarming since he was like the only healthy receiver on their team. And he was the guy, literally, if you walked into the room, there would be like an ant, an ant, and an ant, and then an elephant. And you'd be like, let's not let the elephant beat us and stomp us into the stamp us and stomp us into the ground and get his trunk and throw us against the wall. And it's exactly what the Broncos did. Blown coverages, Kittle embarrassed them, San Francisco held on. But I, you know, I covered Shannon Sharp a bulk of his career. And for me, uh, he's certainly in the conversation of his greatest tight end of all time, statistically or otherwise. And he has three rings, two with the Broncos, one with the Ravens. Kittle, is uh, his career arc is certainly on that Hall of Fame arc. So I texted with Noah Fant today and said, are you planning on attending this? He said, I will be there. And again, I just think this is an indication of another step forward in Noah Fant's development. And it could be perceived as a little thing. I see it just as pieces of a jigsaw puzzle starting to fit together better. That he's so close. And then maybe he learned something in this summit over a couple days that just gives him an edge in one game or two games. And you look back and go, man, what a season he has had. Because... What gets lost with Noah Fant is that in his first two seasons with the Broncos through 31 games, Fant has told 192 receptions, 1,235 yards, six touchdowns. His yardage and reception totals both ranked first in Broncos history among tight ends, again, through 31 games. So he's lived up to the billing of a first-round pick. And if you look at his stats last year, 89 targets, that ranks 6th in the NFL by his position. 69 receptions, that's 7th. 673 yards, 6th. But there's one glaring uh, stat that's missing in terms of getting him to that top 10 level, and if not, top 5. Three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. That ranks 21st in his position. That's not Noah Fant. That's not the athlete you see at 6'4", 250 pounds, who has got agility, he's got the ability to create space, he's got the ability to box out in the end zone. And that, for me, 
is just the next layer for Noah Fan. It's where you add the software, you add the upgrade, you get the new and improved version of him, and it's not Coke, it is zero sugar soda. That's the improvement that y'all like. And that zero that improvement goes specifically to his ability to get total get production in the red zone. I've said this before. He and Judy need to be at 12 touchdowns minimum. And I think they'll get there. But Noah Fant needs to double his touchdown to six touchdowns. And honestly, I don't see why that would be uh, difficult. I know they're going to have Jerry Judy. I understand they have Cortland Sutton and K.J. Hamler and Tim Patrick. But in the red zone is where he needs to be more of a factor. He needs more targets in the red zone. Some of that's on him. Not saying it's not. But crossing routes... Middle routes should be more open with a healthy Sutton paired with Jerry Judy. And in the red zone, if they double Sutton and they try to bump Judy, there's going to be times where Fant can get across the line of scrimmage, across the face, and box out or just get his hip on somebody, that big body, and be a weapon in the red zone. We saw it. We only had five media viewing periods of their 12 offseason workouts. And Fant looked good in a couple of them. He had a, a beautiful touchdown from Drew Locke crossing the middle. That is where, for me, he can take that next step and be a top 10. Clearly, when we look at the stats after the year, go, oh, that's a top 10 tight end. And you could do it either statistically or you can do it through your fantasy league team. Whatever it is, you should be able to look at at the end of the year and it should be clear like vibrant, like neon flashing sign that, oh yeah, this guy's a top 10 tight end. Not talking about potential anymore. Not talking about what ifs. Talking about a guy that's like, yeah, that's who he is. And really, again, it's not receptions. Yards will go up somewhere between 750. Thousand would be great, but I don't see a reason he can't have 750 to 800. But it's the ability to create mismatches in the red zone. It needs to be a priority, frankly, for offensive quarter coordinator Pat Shermer not to forget about Fant down there. He needs to be involved, and he's got to earn it. You know, once you go to him, I think he will in this year develop their trust so you go back to him because it's easy to go to him. He's not open. The ball gets deflected. Now it's like Sutton Judy, Sutton Judy. I understand that. But I'm telling you, there's going to be times where Fant has a better matchup than Judy or Sutton, especially if they roll double coverage over to Sutton. So keep an eye on that. But again, in texting with Fant, he's heading to the tight end U, T-E-U. The shirts are out. Kittle's promoting the event. It's in Nashville. Tim Tebow will not be there. Kittle had a, a very solid explanation of that, that he just had good conscience could not take up someone who's played the tight end position 17, 18 years of their life over a guy who's technically a fourth-string guy in Jacksonville right now. And I, I hope Tebow, I hope it works out. No, I have no issue for Tebow. Tebow, the person I root for. If he's good enough to be on the roster as a tight end, maybe they use him some wildcat formations. That's on Jacksonville. He's not at this camp because he just hasn't done enough. Kittle's first tight end summit is more up-and-coming tight ends or guys who've done it. Noah Fant will be in that group. I think that is a very, very 
interesting and positive step for Noah in texting him. He's looking for that big year. He feels like, you know, it's been a very difficult offseason. He lost his mom to illness unexpectedly. Um, he's been through trying times. You know, he leaned on his family, leaned on his father, uh, and leaned certainly on his teammates. But the player I see, he was already motivated. I just feel like this is a chance for Fant to kind of lose himself in his work, if you will, and have a big season. And for me, that is top 10 tight end, and it starts and ends in the red zone and maybe picks up one or two tips from this tight end summit that turns a three-touchdown season into a six- or seven-touchdown season. Well, we'll talk about the person throwing to Fant. Who will that be? How much do the Broncos really need to improve about that position? But first, I got to ask, are you hungry? Feeling hungry? Well, how about some Moink meat? It is delicious. Just check out the reviews on this product. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V, right now. And listeners to my show get free bacon for a year with every boxed order. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste, but it's for a limited time. It's spelled Moink, M-O-I-N-K, box.com slash believe, B-L-E-A-V. That's moinkbox.com slash believe. Welcome back to the Believe in Broncos podcast. I am your host, Troy Rank from Denver 7. And now the topic that never goes away. It's like cockroaches. Really. You could spray everything and the ants die and the grasshoppers die. And there's the cockroach. Making that noise. That is the quarterback conversation with the Broncos. It's omnipresent. Like Bon Jovi in the late 80s. And it's not going to go away until the Broncos end their playoff drought of five years, until they end their four-year four year streak of losing seasons. And for that to happen, they need functional quarterback play. George Payton, the new GM, took an interesting approach this offseason. I thought he was very aggressive in terms of the way he addressed the defense by landing Ronald Darby, by landing Kyle Fuller, showing that he was nimble, uh, created a defense that's going to be versatile, that has a nice mix of veterans and and also some young guys. He stays at cornerback in the draft with Sertain, a guy that he knew the father, uh, Pat, when he, they worked together when uh, George was in Miami. I talked with George about that, those days of video scouting and advanced scouting. And he just said, he you know, it was an absolute grind of doing the film. He loved it, but he's like, I couldn't wait to get to, you know, Saturday night to present it to the team, which he would do, his scouting reports. Uh, and then have a chance to actually get to watch the game and enjoy the the fruits of the labor. But he knows George knows scouting. I mean, and that's why he took this measured approach at quarterback. I'm not saying I would have done it. I'm telling you, I would have drafted Justin Fields at nine. I would not have taken Mac Jones. I don't see Mac Jones as that type of quarterback to elevate them to a new spot. And I hope he has success. I don't root against any of these guys. But I saw again Fields. As Dak Prescott, who, if you look at the stats, that's a top 10 quarterback. You can win in this league a lot of games with that type of quarterback play. But in the case of the Broncos, Peyton took a measured approach. He upgraded it slightly in terms of the quarterback room by adding Teddy Bridgewater, a player he's known since 2014, uh, where they drafted him in Minnesota, first-round pick out of Louisville. They won a lot of games there with him. He had, obviously, a serious, serious knee injury. 
and he's you know he's since recovered. He's he had success in New Orleans, five and zero, backing up Drew Brees and you know and and filling in for Brees when he was hurt. And then last year in Carolina, he started off well. First eight games looked pretty solid, and then those last four games, last five games, excuse me, two touchdowns, four picks. Uh, he said that his knee was bothering him, you know, but he had a couple of good games in there, including against the Broncos. But they made, and they, I mean, George Payton made the decision to essentially kind of take the conservative route of we improved the room, but we didn't put all our chips in. Will that change with Aaron Rodgers if he becomes available during training camp? I think the Broncos will remain nimble enough to be able to make that move if the Packers finally relent and they just say, hey, he's holding out. He's never going to play here again, you know, and we'll see where that goes. But for now, that is not an option. Deshaun Watson has continued to bring up again. If there's clarity in his legal case, and let's say he settles, does that prevent him from going on to the commissioner's restricted list, prevent him from playing? Would a team like the Broncos get involved there? I think that's a very, very those are, that's a very difficult conversation to whether you want to bring in Deshaun Watson. You'd have to, for me, do your own personal investigation and be comfortable that you know, what all these things, because it was it inappropriate behavior. I think that's very clear that it was. Was it criminal behavior? Where is your level of comfort in that? And would legal clarity change that? But for now, he's not available. So they go with Locke and they go with um, Teddy Bridgewater. Teddy two gloves, Drew one sleeve. And this, this conversation came back to me today as I was going through my email. Chris Sims, former Bronco but also played in Tampa Bay, played in Texas. Uh, he was ranking his quarterbacks, and he said that Mahomes, Herbert, and Derek Carr all in his top 14. And pro football focus, they rank him this way, with Mahomes 4, Carr 10, Herbert 15. And in the case of Sims, he had Bridgewater and Locke 32 and 33. PFF had them Bridgewater 29, Locke 33. And it continues to raise that same point in the AFC West, which part of the reason I think Tom Brady was never going to sign with the Chargers last year. Why compete against Patrick Mahomes if you don't have to? You know, if you don't have to face him twice. Not that he would shy away from competition, but you know what I mean. I mean, he's looking for a path to a title. Why create a path of most resistance having to go through that quarterback? That's the problem the Broncos face. Not only have they had poor quarterback play and 10 starters since Peyton Manning, they are doing it at a time when their own division has three of the top ten quarter, top fifteen quarterbacks. If you look just at QBR, uh, the QBR. Let's go to ESPN and their QBR. Again, similar situation where they've got Carr as eleven, but Drew Lock, Teddy at seventeen, Bridgewater, Drew Lock at twenty nine. You just don't see a lot of non-playoff quarterbacks. Falling toward the bottom. The worst quarterback in QBR, two quarterbacks that made the playoffs last year uh, via ESPN, if you trust their QBR rating. Big Ben at 22. Mitch Trubisky was 21. And that's kind of what I keep getting at here. It's very hard to make the playoffs and have poor quarterback play. Big Ben was really good early, and then he fell off the face of the earth. PFF is different. They have half the quarterbacks that were non-playoff quarterbacks. It's a different evaluation. But it still suggests that to get to the playoffs, you have to have functional quarterback play. And functional quarterback play is not outside the top 15. Teddy Bridgewater, again, he was 17th. 
So that gives you an indication that the, that objective meter would read him better. And certainly if you want a guy who's just going to take care of the ball, Teddy would probably, if, as I've said all along, would have a slight edge over Drew. But, you know, for me, the Broncos have a playoff caliber team with even average quarterback play in 2021. An average quarterback play means, again, two to one touchdown to interception ratio. That is the key because that would keep them in games and allow them to score on their defense once in a while. And that means you're not turning the ball over at a ridiculous rate as they did last year. Remember, as you look at the current NFL, forget about 2016, okay? Forget about it. Like your high school, your favorite, your letter jacket. Forget about it. You're not putting it on again. You're not wearing it out. Those days are over, Peter Pan. Let it rest. That the 2015 NFL does not exist. Offense is king. It's got a crown on. You realize nine teams averaged 28 or more points per game last season. All nine of those teams made the playoffs. Numbers 10, 11, and 13. That was Vegas, Vikings, Cardinals. They missed the postseason. Uh, 12 and 14 still made it. That was the Steelers and Cleveland. But the only teams that missed the playoffs averaging 25 points. Again, Raiders, Vikings, Cardinals, Miami. If you average 25 points, you're going to be right there to the end. Of those teams, I mean, Minnesota had a chance late. Uh, Arizona was there to the last week. And Miami certainly was there to the last game. Vegas' defense was just an absolute abomination. That was their problem. But... When you keep looking for examples of, oh, the Broncos can win ugly. They can win ugly. They're the ugly guy in the fight. Nothing to lose. That's all they do is lose. You can't, yes, you can still lose. You can lose ugly as well. They've done that for five years, essentially. Only two low scoring teams reached the playoffs, the two lowest last year to reach the playoffs the Bears and the Washington football team. Bears bounced bounced like a basketball from the playoffs by the Saints. Non-competitive game, first round. And Washington, terrific defense between they and the Rams, probably the top two defenses in the league. Washington played in a division where they had a losing record and won. You look in the dictionary and you're flipping through the pages. Anomaly. Oh, yeah, there's Washington. You don't get into the playoffs with losing records. It happens once every, what, 10 years? So you can't play it on that. You've got to think in terms of 25 points a game. That starts with Locke and Bridgewater, one of them playing better. Again, I give Bridgewater a slight, ever so slight edge uh, because he doesn't turn the ball over historically as much as Locke has. But we'll look at some of these numbers. Locke last year, according to Pro Football Focus, had the highest uncatchable pass rate and third highest turnover-worthy play rate. That's an issue. Something he's addressed this offseason. He's clearly put in the time. He's changed his footwork on how he takes the snap out of the shotgun, on which how he's kind of more square in how he takes the snap. But for Drew, it really is going to come down to, can he process information quickly enough to get the ball more accurately in the right place? And can he trust the dump downs? Can he resist the temptation to go on the roller coaster when sometimes you just need the teacup? Get on the teacup. Have a fun few rides and then go look for the roller coaster. And that's Drew. Again, I've said this. His ceiling's higher than Teddy, but his floor is not. Teddy's floor is higher than Drew. 
And that you look at it last year, Teddy had two games under 60, uh, 60% completion percentage for Chicago and Minnesota. He finished at 69. Again, Drew, we've said, had the lowest completion percentage in the NFL last year, six times under 60%. But, again, Drew does tantalize you. His last five games, nine touchdowns, four picks. Teddy's last five games, two touchdowns, four picks. Teddy's saying he was dealing with a knee injury. That I'm sure that's possible. You know, there's no doubt. But these numbers, when you look at it, they've got to be around 2-to-1 touchdown-to-pick ratio. They've got to be able to keep the Broncos moving early. They have been on the Peloton to nowhere uh, these last few years. You realize, again, Broncos 1-15 when trailing at halftime. They had 11 first-half first touchdowns last year. The Packers had 39. You cannot win that way consistently. So not only do we need Drew and or Teddy to be significantly better than they were last year, but you also have to be better early in games. Yeah, the Mile High Magic's there. Maybe it can help you sneak a game. But be in the game where it's 10-3 to 3 where you're winning after one or it's 7-7. Seven to seven. Try not trailing early because they're not built to rally. They're like the old Nebraska football teams or Air Force when they get down, you know, 14 points. They're not built to come back from a 14, 17-point deficit when you run the option. That's who the Broncos feel like at times when they were behind. They're not built for that. But if you stay in games, you stay level, stay chalk, that defense will get takeaways because of the versatility of the secondary and the pressure they'll be able to create with Von Miller, Shelby Harris, Draymond Jones, and Bradley Chubb. But you cannot create that pressure if you're trailing. And that's what we keep an eye on. Can they start fast in games? Can they take care of the ball? And can they get to a point where you look up and Bridgewater, if he ends up starting, he ranks 15th. Or Drew Locke ranks 15th, 16th. If that's the case, again, that would be jumping from, in the case of the rankings by Chris Sims, he has Bridgewater 32 and Locke 33. So you're cutting half off the field, you know, to jump that high. If they can make that kind of jump, and they certainly have a uh, chance, a realistic shot to make the playoffs at 10-7. and 7. And that's where, again, we'll see. We're going to know early because that competition, it's going to be graded. For me, it's been graded all along. It's going to be graded uh, very closely every throw, every snap in training camp. And they, for me, they need to make a decision after the second preseason game. That allows the starting offense to know who their guy is, allows the leadership to develop with clarity, and you move on after two preseason games because you're going to have practices against the Vikings. Those, for me, that's a preseason game. Those joint practices, and I'll be there uh, against Minnesota in August before the first preseason. Those, those are those that might as well just be a preseason game. So you count that. You count the actual preseason game. You count the second game against Seattle, and you make a decision after that Seattle game. That's what I would do. And finally, uh, the news of the week: uh, Raiders defensive end Carl Nassib. Uh, comes out as gay. He will be the first openly active gay player in the NFL. Again, Michael Sam was drafted in the NFL but did not play a, a snap uh, after he was drafted from the University of Missouri. And good for Carl. You know, as Miguel uh, McTelvin, Ajim, said for the Broncos, he was glad to see him live his truth and to be able to be open with this. And I hope it does 
the the donation he's making of $100,000 to the Trevor Project, which helps pre prevent suicide and helps with crisis in the gay, lesbian, and transgender community. I think this can allow uh, a, more of an open conversation and acceptance. And players I've talked to, both former and current players, I mean, the NFL is a meritocracy in that way. That if you can play, that's that's how the locker room is. And uh, kudos to Carl for, for, again, living his truth and being able to be comfortable enough to step forward. And hopefully that will allow other players to step forward as well. So it's something we'll see certainly when training camp resumes how the story develops. But, again, the Broncos, they have a chance. We'll cut back through it. Noah Fant, for me, got a chance easily to get to six to seven touchdowns. And Teddy Bridgewater and or Drew Locke have to get to that 15th, 16th best quarterback in the league. Broncos get to 25 to 28 points a game. They are a playoff team. And that is climbing Long's Peak in Crocs in some ways. They, averaged, they haven't averaged at least 21 points since Manny retired. They need to think minimum 25, 28 for me is the number in a league where offense is the king. Hope you enjoyed it. Again, I'm Troy Rank, your host for the Believe in Broncos podcast. Thanks to my sponsors, Superbook Sports. I will be up there at Blackhawk Casino as they opened uh, up in Blackhawk as they opened uh, their, their Superbook this weekend. I'll have some stuff on social media on that. Thanks to my friends from Superbook and to my friend Darby Hoggett from Hoggett Injury Law. And I appreciate all of their support. Again, I do this podcast for you, Broncos country. Happiness, that begins with me. Go out there and have a great day. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.